going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. Uh, as usual, I'm your host, Jake Brainy, on this January Thursday, Thursday the 17th. Uh, big weekend coming up, Martin Luther King Day, so a lot of people got off on Monday, me included, one of the eight bank holidays, so I'll be cashing a three-day weekend, and tomorrow I'll be seeing Beautiful, the Carol King musical with my girlfriend in the city, so should be a lot of fun. Uh, I've heard a lot of really good things. Uh, by you know, looking at it at first, I didn't think this would be a concert. I'd be or not concert, a Broadway show. I'd be going for, but uh, you know, I got it as a gift and thought, hey, you know, maybe it'll be a lot of fun. So uh, you know, fingers crossed for a really good time tomorrow night. Uh, also, fingers crossed because we might be dealing with some weather. It's uh, no surprise we are into the snowstorm season and. While it sounds like where I live in Asbury isn't really going to be affected, uh, it does seem like New York might get affected. uh, It's going to be some freezing rain turned into some ice overnight. This weekend might be a little messy with traveling, so just everyone be careful out there. Also, apologies if uh, this is coming in a little loud, if it's coming in a little rough around the edges, or it's just not the quality... uh, you know, you're the listening quality that you usually have. I'm still working on the new place, still trying to figure out the best recording situation and uh, getting that all together. So right now it's, you know, just in the kitchen, but I will be back on my feet, you know, in the normal process in the next couple weeks. But we got a loaded show for you this week, so I'll get right into it. We got a couple interviews with some fantasy football champions. We've got a little bit of Jake News talking about what's going on. And, uh, and yeah, we'll dive a little deeper into The Bachelor after two episodes. We'll dive into a little bit of one-minute uh, movie reviews and emails from my listeners. So really appreciate you guys calling in emailing and you know feel free if if you want to be heard on the radio you have my number you know how to get on or if you want a radio podcast but same thing um or if you want me to read your email aloud you tell me what you want uh jake j-a-k-e dot brainy b-r-a-h-n-e-y at gmail.com and i'll read your email because we got one today that should be a lot of fun uh and we'll start right off with that one uh you know no no my mistake. Sorry. Uh, jumped out a little ahead of myself. But we're going to start off with our Jake news uh, because there's a big government shutdown going on right now. Uh, very true. Very real. And this does affect everybody. I I got to read up on this because usually I'm like the stay away guy when it comes to politics. I, I just listen and I, I, need to, I know what I need to know. But now it seems like this whole government shutdown is affecting more than just the people that work for the government. Uh, because it, it, there's so many things that go into it. Like you need certain types of labels to uh, bring beer over state lines. I didn't know that. So if you want to like ship, if you're the Bronx Brewery and you want to ship your beer out to the rest of the country, you need certain ATP or ATF labels that you need from the government to be able to you know distribute that. So uh, this is going to start changing things. And if it doesn't uh, you know get resolved soon, we might be looking at a real crisis. Uh, second on the Jake news, uh, Betty White, 97 today. Not really much news, but you know, gets you thinking, man, 97, she's, uh, she's still going, that Betty White. I haven't seen her on TV in a while, so fingers crossed she's all healthy and everything like that because, you know, 97 is a big number, just saying. Uh, and then it also gets you thinking, you know, uh, I haven't had one of those big celebrity deaths in a while. Uh, 
you know, fingers crossed for all those coming around. I know that's a crazy thing to bring up, but that's the first thing that comes up when you think of 97. It's crazy. So good for her for staying alive and, 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 and just, you know, quote unquote killing it. Next up in Jake News, uh, Clemson, the you know national champion Clemson football Tigers visited the White House this week uh, after beating Alabama in the national championship, and President Trump supplied a lot of fast food for them, and a lot of people got very critical of him. I'm critical for a couple reasons. Number one, I didn't see any Taco Bell, I didn't see any Chick Fil A. I saw basically just Wendy's and and McDonald's. I'm like that's what these guys have all the time. If you're at least gonna give them fast food, give them like the rare fast food or like the best fast food in the country. Uh, and it was absolutely hysterical that he had some guy lighting candles right around all of like the fast food and everything. So I thought that was pretty funny. And for all the people that were critical of him saying he's being really cheap, I do want to see what the former teams that have visited got in terms of like a meal and everything like that. I didn't really know what the deal was. I didn't know if they got a meal in, to begin with because I've never really you know studied the visit of the White House for these championship teams. I know when the Cavs won, only like five guys actually went to the uh, to the White House. So I'm curious. I want to see uh, what type of meals you typically get when you go visit there. Anyway, just thought it was interesting, and it's uh, kind of blown up the Twitter Twitter sphere for a couple days, and I uh, thought it was worth mentioning. Finally, in Jake news, we got uh, the Kyrie Irving phone call heard around the world. Yes, the Kyrie Irving who wanted out of Cleveland and wanted out of LeBron's shadow, wanted his own team, wants to be taken seriously, who has basically not stopped running his mouth uh, in the year and a half that he's been with Boston, and now is finally saying, you know what, I need to apologize to LeBron James, I need to not be so selfish, and uh, I realize how hard this job is, and man, we didn't need to get in that fight, but uh, more on that in a little bit, because I got a very special guest. Joining the podcast right now is one of my best friends, longest friend, and current fantasy football champion, Tom Scotto. Tom, congratulations. Welcome to the Jake Podcast 2019. Jake, thanks, man. Uh, really a monkey off my back. I was glad to finally win one. So, yeah, let's let's just, you know, I'll give the audience a little bit of uh, an inside track. You've been in this league like three, uh, three or four years. You actually were an original member way back when, when you weren't really interested in fantasy football. And uh, you've been a dominant presence in our league. You you know, the first year you, you went out there and you spent big and got two uh, top-notch wide receivers, Antonio Brown and Julio. This year, though, you didn't seem all too thrilled with your team after the draft. You liked it, but you were really concerned, more so than any other year. And yet, this is the year you win it. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I kind of went with a little bit of my strategies to get more of those guys in the second round. I uh, just missed out on a couple guys that, you know, I wanted, like Melvin Gordon and that kind of range. But they went for a lot of money, so I just kind of stacked up on the end of the second, beginning of third round players. But, uh, you know, some of the players I wanted, like Devontae Adams was the guy I wanted, ended up as the number one receiver. That obviously helps. And then one of the guys who probably, you know, won me is uh, Joe Mixon because he ended up finishing as a top, top ten uh, running back. So, you know, I didn't. I didn't really have that big explosive player, Kamara, Gurley, uh, Saquon, but I put it together enough with uh, you know a bunch of solid guys. 
Yeah, it did seem like depth was really your big key this year because you had Emmanuel Sanders put in some big games, but then he gets hurt, and it didn't really affect your team at all because you had Doug Baldwin play well here and there, and then Mike Evans and Devontae Adams. So it was kind of just, it's seemingly like you never had a really down week, and that's what eventually won you the championship because then your team got hot at like the perfect time. It seemed like in the playoffs, you put up some of the best weeks of the season. Well, I had some really good matchups. Um, I was kind of looking forward to that, but I was like, you know, if I could get in, because I wasn't even sure how I could get in at first. I was kind of a middle middle of the pack team, maybe just above average. And then, you know, sometimes if you've got a good QB, like I had Russ Wilson, he started averaging 22 points the last three or four games. He combined with Doug Baldwin, who's throwing him a touchdown. You know, that's 40 points right there, so it kind of, it, it can only go right. from there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it kind of trickled in the right direction after you get, like, a couple touchdowns here or there. And uh, I'll admit, I uh, came into the season thinking I was going to do well. Uh, I did not. I was, I finished the season strong, winning, like, four of my last five, but that was already after I was well out of the playoffs. And Yeah, you were a bit of a dumpster fire for a little bit. Yeah, it was it was a disgusting yeah, mess. Had, like, the most points over the last five weeks. I, my September versus my November were, were pretty funny. And, uh, I was like, you know, all right. So it wasn't my year. At least I didn't, you know, finish up as like the toilet bowl loser. Uh, you know, and, and when it comes down to it, it's like we, you're either the champ or your last place. And then there's everyone else in the middle. And now that we did these weekly winners where everyone, you know, if you have a weekly high, you get to take home some money. That was me. I, you didn't win. You didn't win once. The only time I won was the championship. Yeah, yeah. You picked the perfect week to have the high score. So and like, I needed it too. I only won by ten points. Yeah, I did. I did like that. This was the first time in. Uh, I feel like in our league that the top two scores of the of the championship week were actually the championship game. Usually, it's like there's a dud or like the games in the mid '80s, and it's like it's just the a last bad few look. Years, I think. Well, because I mean. To this point, too, you know, credit to Billy Mead. I beat him in the finals. Mm-hmm. You know, I lost to him two years ago or last year or whatever it was, but he had won the last two years. I think he scored like 80 points both years. Yeah. So, like you said, it was good to have a good shootout for the finals as opposed to one of those where everyone's looking like, oh, I would have won the finals this week. Right, exactly. And you hate hearing that argument because you're like, yeah, you would have won the finals this week. You wouldn't have won the finals like the last 15 weeks. So, yeah. 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 And, uh, So that must have felt good. It was also on Christmas Eve, too, this year. And I'll admit, I jumped the gun a little bit saying you were safe. I think you you saw that and you were like, Jake, Bill's got a guy named D. Hamilton. All he needs is like 32 points from this guy and maybe maybe we have a game. But he scored 15. I think he needed 27 to win. Okay. So, like, that's a lot of points, but, like, you know, I've been in fantasy championships before where I say things like, oh, all I need is this player just not do this, and then he, has a, he ends up doing it. Yeah, so, you know? yeah, we, we've been there. I, I remember a couple years ago, the, the Bengals-Broncos Monday night game that, like, kind of screwed everybody up. That was when Peyton was still playing. But you're typically a really good team. You know, you've made the playoffs a lot, but uh, apparently this is your first ever championship, am I correct, in any league? Yeah, so I think... Uh, I was in a league with, uh, you know, the Spring Lake guys. We did, like, two or three years of that. Um, I've been in, you know, my brother, the Tool League. We've done, whatever, nine years or eight years of that. Not three. Something like I've been in 15 fantasy leagues. I've made the playoffs in 14 of them. But I just always just 
die in the playoffs. Yeah. And I, I think what it is, too, is like, other times I was like, oh, I'm going to win. This is my year. I'm going to win. I feel good about my team. And this time I was just, no expectations. Whatever happens, happens. You know, that kind of karma. You were that team that had to sneak in or fight its way in and carry that going on. So I appreciate that. It looks like, uh, you know, like that's kind of, like in the NFL, like that's, you know, the Eagles last year were, you know, had to fight because they had a backup quarterback and they kind of, you know, it carried them to the Super Bowl. And a lot of times you see the teams that have to fight their way in are the teams playing the hottest. I know that doesn't really apply to fantasy sports, but it's a little waxing poetically, so why not? Yeah. Another nice little cat ad about my team that I was very proud of. I drafted my entire team. Yeah. Other than other than Jacksonville defense. Yeah, you I, I yeah, that was correct. I actually drafted Jacksonville defense. I remember at the draft you were pretty pissed you didn't get them, but you had that team the whole season and you whole were season. you were confident in them and you kept them the whole time. I mean, you really any of your free agency pickups were kind of like weekly pickups and that was about it. It really didn't affect your team at all. So Kudos to you because I can never stay that patient with my team. I'm like Mr. Tradem, so I can appreciate. Yeah, I just had so many like decent players that like I wasn't gonna drop them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of rotated like you know John Brown type players and some guys at the end of my bench just to just to keep you know buys and all that stuff. But like I said, having like you said, you know, having Emmanuel Sanders and then having someone like Doug Baldwin on your bench and John mm-hmm. Brown on your bench. You go to the waiver, and you're really not going to pick up someone who's going to put up more points than them. So yeah, and you drafted Ingram, and you picked up Njoku, and you basically played both of them at tight end the whole season. And well, that, that, was good, that was a good one about Ingram, though. Was that I thought it was. I'm sitting on the other side of the room from the auctioneer, and I'm waiting for Mark Ingram to come up because I have no running backs. Right? Yeah, and all the running backs went, and I'm like, I've got to get Mark Ingram at least. You know, he'll go for cheap. I can survive for four weeks, and then you know I'll have a top twenty guy. Well, I hear Ingram, I start bidding, like, you know, boom, boom, Aggressively, I'm yeah. Like, I'm up to, like, 15 bucks, and I was like, or 17 bucks or something. I think maybe 15. And I was like, oh, yes, I got him. I go over, and I'm looking for his name, and I think it was Billy Mean was like, no, it's the wrong color. You're looking for, for blue. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, tight end. I was like, oh, not Mark Ingram, Evan Ingram. <laughs> But I ended up getting Mark Ingram later. And you got Mark Ingram too. And Evan Ingram had a pretty big week during the championship week for you. So that was helpful as well. So, yeah, he was a little shaky with injuries, but Njoku was a good pickup for me. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed like for every move that went against you, you had a uh, a player ready to pick up. So sometimes that's what it takes. Um, so with... In regards to next year, you're going to be defending your crown. Do you have any strategies you're going to be going for? Any players that you want to return to the team or any guys you want to get rid of? What What are you thinking going into 2019? I know it's early. It's kind of like lame to say, but like I'm kind of a numbers guy. Like I, I just I like to just look where players are ranked and then go from there. Right? Yeah. It's not like it's not that I don't like, let's say, a Travis Kelsey, but I don't want to pick him for second round value. You know, I mean, that's yeah. an example. So I kind of look at it more of a numbers game. I'd say one thing I try to do, which I learned a couple years ago, is, and maybe it's not the best fantasy thing, but I like to get players on better teams sometimes. Sure. I know the whole, like, Jacksonville when Blake Bortles was down by 30, but for the most part, I like to get, I like to stay away from players on, like, the Tennessee Titans or, you know, like, that, that kind of... I get that. Yeah, I, I that makes a lot of sense. You want players that are going to be... I mean, if you have a wide receiver, you want him to have a good offense and a good quarterback. Like it's it's not it's not rocket science. It's 
it's you know simpling it down. I like trying to go for volume players, so like I'm more down. And look, I was would have been wrong on this year. Like I'd rather not have Juju Smith than like have uh, uh, what's his name um, Evans from uh, um, Tampa Bay. Mike I'd Evans, get yeah. The number one receiver. I'd, I'd rather get the number one guy. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. try to get the Coleman's of the world. Yeah, I hear you. So. Well, listen, Tom, I congratulate you. You earned it. Uh, it seemed like it was a long time coming uh, that you finally got your ring. And, uh, yeah, it was a great season. And uh, looking forward to a whole nother one with you. Thanks, Jaker. I'm glad the pod's back. All right? The, po- fan. the pod is back. The hiatus is over. Now that I'm moved in and everything, we're back on a normal schedule. Congrats, man. I can't wait to see the house. Yeah, yeah. Next time you're around, you let me know. I will. All right, Jaker. All right, have a good one, Tom. All right, that was Tom Scotto, groomsman in his wedding, longtime best friend, neighbors in Spring Lake. He did in he did earn this victory. Uh, he had the best week in the championship week. He had some really good weeks going into it. He's a constant playoff contender, and uh, in years past, he should have. He's had the best team before. This is probably his worst team since he's joined the league, but that just shows, you know, fantasy football. Anything can happen. So uh, really interesting stuff. I know not everybody's into fantasy football, but it can be a lot of fun, and and uh, especially when you have, you know, the loser punishment and you play for a little bit of scratch and stuff like that. Everything, you know, incentives make it uh, seem a little more worthwhile. So pretty cool stuff. So back to some Jake news. Uh, after that interview with Tom Scotto, uh, the final point was the Kyrie Irving phone call that I wanted to get to, right? So Kyrie, he was on top of the world in Cleveland. He didn't know it. He wanted to be his own star. He didn't want to be uh, the second banana. And I get that, but he said all the wrong things on his way out of town. In the one and a half years since going to Boston, he hasn't shut his mouth. And uh, he still talks about Cleveland. That's the craziest part. Like, even when LeBron went to Miami, he didn't talk about Cleveland, like, ever. He moved on and he shut up. Like, and it was so annoying to hear him talk about everything else. But at least he wasn't talking about, like, yeah, you know, when I was in Cleveland. Like, yeah, you know, if Cleveland had done this. Or, like, yeah, you know, like, the fans, you know, they might not get it. Or, like, how about these fans compared to the ones I used to have? Or how about this is a real city? Like, Kyrie won't shut the fuck up to a point where now even Boston fans are kind of getting tired of it. Like, they went from, hey, Kyrie Irving, like, what a guy. I love how he speaks his mind to, uh, hey, Kyrie, shut up, like, very fast. Like, they have gotten really sick of him real quick, um, at least in terms of his antics. Like, and then he puts up a game where he, you know, goes for 27 points, including, like, the dagger three to end the game. I mean, he's still one of the best players in the NBA. He's one of the best three-point shooters. He's one of the best clutch players. He's got the best dribble and handle in the NBA. A great crossover. And he's one of the best finishers for guards in the NBA. If he's in the paint, the ball is going in. It's just incredible. So I I get it. I appreciate it. I'm just pissed that he finally had the stones to apologize to LeBron when had he done this two years ago, uh, maybe the Cavs dynasty would still be going on. You know, and maybe they would still have LeBron James and Kyrie and Kevin Love, you know, would play through injuries and stuff like that. Instead, they're a tanking team. And that gets me to my next point, a little pro sports roundup, right? The NBA, we're in the dead part of sports season, right? Football's just about to end. Baseball has not yet begun. 
and it's basically just baseball and hockey, and, or I'm sorry, hockey and basketball. And uh, I got to admit, not the biggest hockey fan. I really love playoff hockey. I think it's a lot of fun. I love how intense the atmospheres are and how every second matters. But, uh, you know, January hockey to me is not that not, not much fun, especially when I don't really have a team. And then basketball, you know, this was actually the time of the year the last couple of years when the Cavs would go into the tank for a little bit. They would have a terrible month. Uh, LeBron would maybe take off some time. There'd be a big thing in the media about, like, he said, he said, or, like, locker room drama, or, like, maybe they have to fire their coach. There's always something going on at this time of the year, and it got so annoying and so tired. That was the thing I was most looking forward to. But, you know, even with all that going on, they were still a successful team, and they still kept rolling through the Eastern Conference. Four straight Eastern Conference championships where every time you threw a new team at them, like, oh, the upstart Toronto Raptors. Nope, lost 10 straight to the Cavs in the playoffs. Ooh, the Boston Celtics, finally back. Nope, still still couldn't do it, even after they traded away Kyrie, and even after you know they have to play Rodney Hood and George Hill are the second and third best scores. Nope, nope, no. Uh, oh, uh, how about, uh, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, not ready yet. Indiana Pacers, not ready yet. It was like every team that you threw at the Cavs in the East, even if they had a better record, even if they scored more points at home or did whatever, whatever their number was, and it was still LeBron James owning the East. And now LeBron James is barely scratching the playoffs in the Western Conference. It seems like the Cavs might have used the last bit of superstar LeBron James. I mean, he's still an all-star. He's still like one of the best players in the world, but you know they might have had the final days of him being the best player in the world. And if that's the case, you know, salute to LeBron. Now, this is also the time of year when a lot of Cavs fans will start to read through things and say, hmm, you know, Kyrie, oh, he, he called LeBron to apologize. Oh, LeBron was having dinner with Kevin Love when he got the call. Oh, that's crazy. Those three, good times. Oh, Greg Popovich. Oh, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. He, uh, he doesn't want to coach anymore. He said he might be stepping away from the Spurs. Oh, yeah, what's the one team? player uh or what's the one coach that lebron wanted to play for oh it's greg Popovich. like oh lebron's gonna be a free agent in two years Ooh, maybe he comes back to cleveland maybe the Cavs hire craig popovich maybe they trade some of these ads this is the dangerous part of the year for Cavs fans because there's no end in sight of this garbage and uh, they kind of just have to roll through it. So hang in tight there, Cavs fans. I know baseball is super boring right now. There's literally been nothing going on in baseball, so I've got nothing to report there. And then the NFL, well, we'll jump right into the NFL. This past weekend was the divisional rounds of the playoffs. You had the Cowboys visiting the Rams, and the Rams kind of walked all over them. They go on to the NFC Championship game. You had the Patriots who a lot of people wanted to pick against, and I was dumb enough to pick against. I, I knew they were the that the Chargers were the wrong side of the pick, but I picked them anyway because I wanted to believe. And nope, Patriots ran all over them, didn't even get scratched in this melee. Chiefs took care of business with the Colts, who seem like the best games are ahead of them for the Colts and that they're just starting something good. Uh, and the Chiefs showed that, yeah, they're the, probably the best team in the NFL. So they'll move on to the AFC Championship game and host the Patriots, where the Eagles 
almost took down the Saints. The only close game of the weekend, the only game that really felt like it was ever in jeopardy, Eagles jumped out to a 14-point lead and then did nothing for the rest of the game. Uh, they had their chances. They also had a lot of injuries, and they had their last year's ring maybe, uh, you know, that you know that helps the sting a little bit of losing. But you got the top four teams in football still alive. Rams will go to the Saints on Sunday afternoon, and then the Chiefs will host the Patriots on Sunday night of Martin Luther King Day. So you can stay up, watch the whole game, maybe have a couple brewskis, throw some back with the boys. It'll be a great weekend. Very excited for Darcy's Day. We do it once a year where we just cancel everything, go to the bar, eat, drink, watch football, argue with each other, and then go to bed. It's going to be wild. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm excited for it. In terms of the games, here's my quick analysis. Uh, you've got a couple rematches, right? The Sams, uh, the Sams, the Saints beat the Rams earlier this season, and the Patriots beat the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs get to be home this time, so they get revenge at home. Now. They've got the tougher task because Bill Belichick and Tom Brady have been here before. Literally eight straight years they've made it to the AFC Championship game. So they know what it takes to win these games. It's supposed to be frigid cold, like, you know, in the teens. Yeah, that doesn't affect them either. So a couple of the advantages that you think they would have kind of get altered by the fact that the Patriots do this. And it really sucks because the Patriots' angle this year is bet against us, which, like, is so eye roll. I mean, I can't believe that they're going with this whole like, oh yeah, no one believes in us. Like, the only people that don't believe in you are the guys that are pissed off you lost to the Lions, you know? And are the guys that thought, oh, there's no way that this is their year, the dynasty's over. It's the Boston fans who are betting against you guys. So, like, yell at your own fans, but don't try and play the us against the world card. You're literally like the mountaintop of, of sports. It's just like when the Warriors tried to play like the, you know what, like everyone wants us to lose card. Like, shut up. Everyone wants you to lose because you're awesome. Like, play the card of we are the best and until you beat the best, we're still the best. Like, play that card. That's what you earned. Like, there's, there's, a, there's only a couple teams that get to play that card and it's the champs and it's the guys that have been there eight straight years. And then there's also those other teams, and I, I don't want to jump right into this, but like, you know, the Yankees of two years ago, you know, when they were playing the underdog, underdog card, and I was just so furious because I'm like, when are the Yankees ever the underdog? This is so stupid. In a year from now, they're going to be playing Evil Empire, 27 rings. Like, they're, they're trying to play the, we're the underdogs. To the, no one believes in us. They believe in the Cleveland Indians. And I was like, come on. You're the New York Yankees. There are some teams. Alabama football, Duke basketball, Yankees, New England Patriots now, Golden State Warriors right now, that like no one ever cares if your record is a little bit lower. You are like the dynasty and, and you are always going to play that evil empire card. Now I know that changes in basketball, but the Warriors right now are in that. Even if they don't have the number one record, they're not the underdogs. So shut up. And Yankees, I don't care what your record is. You're still a playoff team, not an underdog. Anyway, I don't want to go too down that road because I can get into a lot of trouble yelling at the Yankees for that. So uh, anyway, 
But it's a yeah, it's just an annoying angle that the Patriots are playing because people do believe in you because I literally don't even look at the line. I say Patriots are going to win. And it's probably going to be a little close, but I, I feel like they're not even going to feel threatened. It's just going to be like they won. Chiefs had chances. They blow it. And uh, Patriots go to the Super Bowl again. And it's frustrating because I actually really like this Chiefs team. Uh, if they're playing almost any other team other than the Browns, I'd probably be rooting for this Chiefs team. I like Patrick Mahomes. I like Andy Reid. I like Travis Kelsey. Um, there are a lot of guys, a lot of things I like about this Chiefs team. You know, they cut Kareem Hunt when they saw that video, and I was, you know, I I, I give them a lot of props for that because they could have said, well, we're going to review the tapes and we're going to keep them and play them, and they're like, no, we're cutting them because this is disgusting. So, power to them for that. And not to mention John Dorsey's old team. You know, the Browns GM drafted a lot of these guys, brought in a lot of these guys, traded for these guys. You know, he molded a lot of this team. He traded up for Pat Mahomes. He drafted Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Like, he, a lot of these guys are on that team because of him. Now, he's not the one throwing the ball. He's not the guy making the plays. But it's still pretty cool to look at and say, hey, listen, in back-to-back -back drafts, this guy traded up for Pat Mahomes and drafted Baker Mayfield. Uh, I like the future of the Cleveland Browns, if you don't know by now. <laughs> then you obviously don't know who I am. But, uh, yeah. It'll be a root fest for the Chiefs on Sunday night. In terms of the NFC game, I wish this game, I wish the AFC game was first, so the Chiefs could win, and then I could just root for a, just a good football game in the NFC. But the whole time, I'm probably going to be thinking, oh, I, just, I don't care who wins this game as long as the Chiefs win tonight. Um, and that's that is how I feel. I don't really care. I, I kind of want as many of these old quarterbacks to retire. I want Ben and Brady, and Rivers, and Breeze, and, and like any of, and Eli, all these old heads, these guys who have been in the league forever, and who have been at the top of the game for a long time, you know, not all of those guys have, but still, uh, I want them out of the league, I want them to retire, I'm ready for the new faces of the NFL to be the younger guys, I'm ready for the veteran QBs to be Andrew Luck, and Cam Newton, and uh, you know Russell Wilson. I'm ready for those guys to step in and be like the veteran QBs. I'm ready for these old men to leave. Because I'm ready for Baker Mayfield, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson to step up and be the future of the AFC. And as long as Brady casts that shadow over this conference, you know, it's still going to be the Patriots owning and everyone else fighting. So, uh in terms of the NFC game, I think I like the same the Saints uh with their home field advantage. Think uh, that's going to be really going to be the key in this one, being in the turf in the dome. Uh, it's going to be high scoring. The Rams, though, make a lot of like sloppy mistakes. They go for the ball. They go for the kill, which sometimes that will get them. You know, uh, Marcus Peters tries to jump routes, and then you get a Michael Thomas fifty-yard touchdown bomb. Uh, you know, in Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald, as great as they are, they rush up field and leave some open running lanes sometimes, and they never really get criticized for that. It's interesting. Uh, and I think that's going to come into play a lot. Sean Payton's ready for this game, and this Saints team is the team of destiny. So I have the Saints winning. I have them winning 31 to 24. I think it'll be a little tight. I think we'll see more of the Rams next year, but they're not going to get it done in New Orleans. And then uh, that'll be in the afternoon. And then at the night game, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong.
but I see the Patriots winning 34 to 20. I really hope I'm wrong, but I kind of think they're going to go into Arrowhead. They're going to move the ball slowly and consistently. And uh, all it takes is one Mahomes mistake because he does he does do a lot of risky things. And I think one of these risky things, these left-handed throws, these no-look passes, these sidearm passes, one of them's going to bite him in the ass. Maybe he gets a turnover, a bad mistake. And I don't think this is the team you can do that against because I think the Patriots are going to score all day. And uh, I think the, pa- and the, the Chiefs might get a little desperate and that's when the Patriots strike. So I got a Saints... Patriots Super Bowl, Breeze versus Brady, Breeze going for his second, Brady going for what, his sixth maybe? Jeez. Uh, would love it if, you know, it's like that's the storyline of this game. You know, Sean Payton trying to become uh, one of the all-time great coaches. If he gets a second win with this team and, and you know, this offense, I, I could totally see it being, you know, the Sean Payton story this year. They do seem like the team of destiny. Uh, but then again, every time you don't think the Patriots are going to win one, that's the year that they do. Uh, and then the, a couple times when they seemed like they were the team and no one else, hey, they've lost. So be really interesting, but I do see Saints-Patriots coming out of this weekend. I hope I'm wrong. I would love to see Chiefs versus whoever. I don't care. Uh, but I'm very done with the Patriots. And I'm very done with Boston fans. So, all right. That's enough NFL. We've got a lot of... Uh, a lot of lot of other things to get to. Uh, you know, with skipping a month on this podcast, I missed a lot of potential movie reviews. And uh, I got to a couple of them last week, but I left a lot for me. You know, I didn't do anything Christmas related on this podcast. I, I left a lot of things out, uh, including a couple new movies that I saw this year. And I want to jump right into the Christmas schedule of movies that I saw. So I'm not going to do movie reviews for all of them, like one minutes. I'm just going to do the typical breakdown of why I chose them. First of all, I didn't see Christmas Vacation this year, which was a real bummer. Uh, I also didn't see It's a Wonderful Life this year. Those are two movies that are usually typically the ones that I look out for. But with just work being so busy and moving into the new house and Christmas shopping and and all that crap, it was just a tough year to really sit down and just enjoy a ton of things like that. So I missed out on a couple. Uh, I did watch Elf, which is a classic and a Christmas story. I watched Die Hard, which is a, a classic, whether you think it's a Christmas movie or not. I really don't care. I think it. I think it's just fun to call it a Christmas movie. But if you're going to argue, like, it's not worth it. Like, I have this sweatshirt that says Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And I think that's really funny. But if, like, you're going to sit there and argue on the internet, if it's a, it, like, that's, you're a loser. Like, you are a person I don't want to talk to. Like, it's just, I don't care what you believe. It's fine. But don't, like, sit there and argue something so arbitrary, like, if something's a Christmas movie or not. Anyway, I love Die Hard. I think it's a great movie, Christmas or not. And uh, watch that. Uh, in, I'll watch that any time of year. The main uh, argument for it being against a Christmas movie is that it came out July 17th or June 17th or something when it was originally released. So you can watch this summer, you can watch Christmas, watch whatever. But Die Hard, great movie. Elf, good movie. I think it's somewhat a little overrated, but uh, it is, it's it's very good. It's a very good Christmas movie. And Home Alone 2 is the top shelf of Christmas movies, the number one. And uh, yeah, it's it's... 
It's always great. Home Alone 2 is better than the original Home Alone. And then that's not even close either. Maybe I have the East Coast bias coming in because I, you know, I've been to New York. And but every time I go to New York, I think of Home Alone too. And maybe it was just it came out at the right time and I saw it at the right age. Home Alone two is the best one. But I saw two new ones this year. I saw Christmas Chronicles, which was a Netflix original, and I saw Frozen, which is a Disney movie. Uh, Frozen, pretty good movie. On the kids' movie scale, I give it like an eight and a half. Uh, on a regular movie scale, I give it like a uh, like a five and a half, six. Uh, was missing a, a lot of plot holes, super plot holes. Like number one, they never really described how these sisters had these powers. Okay, you know, like what are they elves? What are they like born with magic? But you know, never really described that. Um, you know, they kind of just glossed over the fact that these girls went like fifteen years without talking to each other. Uh, even after their like parents died, they lived in the same house but just never spoke. Like, just feel like uh, some plot holes that need addressing. Uh, and then I say that, and of course it's like, hey Jake, maybe uh, chill out a bit because it's a kids movie. So, uh, for kids movie's sake, I will give it the pass. Uh, it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. It's a kids movie, and that was fun to watch the movie knowing the you know what the songs were all about. I was like, oh, I get it now. So, uh, liked Frozen. Good. Glad I, uh, I, you know, finally saw it because uh, that song got a lot of traction. And I'm, I'm a Disney fan, so I should have seen it. And the other one was Christmas Chronicles. And Christmas Chronicles, so close to being good. Oh, it was like, it was so close to being a decent Christmas movie. And then, like, there was just a couple things here and there. I was like, God, that's stupid. That's stupid. I don't want to see it again. The, the two kids, very hateable. Extremely hateable kids. Uh, Kurt Russell, great Santa Claus. One of my favorite Santa Clauses out there, probably, because he's a little bit rude. Uh, he's not fat. He's a different style. He like has this like cool bravado about him. I like that Santa Claus. I like his Mrs. Claus, too, because, spoiler alert, Goldie Hawn was the Mrs. Claus. And then uh, my biggest complaint, though, was the elves. This is like Santa's workshop elves weren't even human. They were like these weird alien things. It was disgusting. It was weird. It was like they didn't speak the same language. They were all CGI. Like I was like, damn, you had it. You had it good. You had the musical number. You had like the Christmas songs. You had the the Christmas spirit. You had the kid learning the right lesson. You had Santa being funny, and then you had these dumbass elves. Don't understand why they did those. But regardless. Ah, it was close. It was close to being a good, a rewatchable Christmas movie, but uh, those elves really ruined it because they had good actors too. The two cops were funny. Uh, you know, one of them was Winnie the Bish from New Girl. Um, the other one, I don't know his name, but he was pretty good too. It, it was just close, close, close. That's all I can say. All right. So before we have our next guest on, you know, because uh, with Tom Scotto being the champion of one fantasy football league, I have another champion coming on. Uh, I do want to go into uh, The Bachelor. Okay, last week I, I touched on it a little bit. I gave you my, my final four this week. Wow. Uh, I stand corrected. I, I didn't see a, a villain in week one. Okay, I... Didn't really know where they were going to go with that. I, I thought the first girl that they were pushing for that, even forget her name. I think her name was Catherine. She was the DJ. She kept interrupting. I'm like, she's going to suck as a villain. She's not mean. She's just dumb. 
So, like, villains need to be mean-hearted in this show. Uh, so I was glad that Demi stepped up this week and decided that she is going to be very aggressive, pick on the weak girls, a.k.a. the older ones, and just, like, have her way. Uh, she completely destroyed Tracy, who, oh, poor Tracy has to stay here for another week and get shit on again before probably getting cut next week. Because Demi interrupted him and her time together when Tracy was like, you know, she's the 31-year-old of the group. There's two 31-year-olds, and Tracy's one of them. And of course, when she finally gets time to sit down with Colton, Demi comes over with a robe and offers him a massage, kind of just like slaps her in the face. This is right after she's like, hey, I don't like the way you like touched the date rose when it wasn't yours yet. Like... It's, it's, you know, it's some, you see it every year, right? There are a couple things that are always consistent. Number one, if you try and bring down the bad guy, you're going down too. And if you try to approach the Brad, the bad guy, they will shit all over you because you're, you're trying to live on this moral high ground and it's like, you're on a reality television show. Like enough with the moral high ground, just stick to yourself don't cause fuss, and that's your best way of lasting a while because the people that are surrounded by the drama, they're the ones that go. So we're going to see it. One day, someone's going to try and take down Demi. Maybe three or four people try and do it this year. And maybe there's a new new villain next week that I, we haven't even seen yet because I love the budding rivalry of these two Miss America girls. Like, this is going to be fun. Like, seeing them go head-to-head, -head even and them both talking about how they hate each other, oh, I, I'm looking forward to that storyline. But if Tracy tries to go at Demi again, or if she tries to talk to Colton about Demi, he's sending you home, Trace. Like, it's not worth it. Stay away. This girl knows how to win these things, and you do not. You know how to be an adult, and you're going to prove that, but you're not going to do anything else. So, just back off. Like, just know that this is not, these are not the drones you are looking for, Tracy. This is not the show you should be on. I'm sorry, but bye bye You got to get out of here. All right. Next up, you know, that was a little bit of The Bachelor. I still have my top four. Uh, they're they're going to be around for a while because we still don't know much about these characters. He did give a surprising date rose to Elise. I was a little surprised by that because I didn't think Elise last was going to last much longer. And him giving a date rose to her, I know that doesn't typically mean a whole lot because, you know, you just give the... But you do give the date rose to someone you want around. Yeah, and he had a couple other girls on that date that he could have given it to. So I was a little surprised by that. And uh, should keep an eye on those things but in terms of he's 26 there's a lot of 24 year olds on this season there's some 26 year olds like i don't think he's going to be trying to marry the 31 year old and i it, i just it just doesn't really look look like it's going to work for her with him the show is all about vanity so what do you want from me all right uh enough of bachelor this week i'm looking forward to next week i hope they're not taking off because of martin luther king day i really really still want the show on uh you know it'd be great to if they canceled basketball on me this week and i got to watch that live that'd be nice because i've been watching on delay but with the day off that'd be a nice little bonus there nice little bonus to the weekend all right moving on 
I didn't want to do this in a movie review, but I watched The Truman Show, and I thought it was worth dissecting a little bit, because I think this is a really deep movie, a really good movie, and there's a lot of symbolism in the movie, okay? Uh, and, and I just think it's very underrated, because some people are like, oh yeah, The Truman Show, there's so much to it, you know, and I just picked up on, you know, someone pointed out to me, Truman equals true man. So that's why they pick the one person in that town, you know, they name him, that's true, that's a real person and isn't an actor, his name is True Man. thought that was pretty cool. Um, and his whole life, he's being looked at through cameras and they do these fishbowl lenses a lot to kind of symbolize that he's trapped there which I think is true too because he lives in a bubble and you know every time he tries to leave they put some type of disaster in his way. They try to control him using like the media and everything which is exactly what they're doing with this movie to begin with. Like they're entertaining the world with a show and they're trying to hold him with entertainment down which is exactly what entertainment does to regular people anyway. So it's funny how Kristoff kind of says, like, I've led you this perfect life and stuff, but it's like, it's only perfect because it looks like a facade and, and it's it's all fake. It's not actually perfect. It's it's like the like evil. But my favorite symbolism of this movie, and I, I'm, I'm geeking out a little bit, but I just think it's an interesting topic, you know, is when he's trying to finally leave. And he's fighting God and he's fighting all of like, you know, Kristoff is like sicking him with the, you know, the storm and everything. And they finally lay off and there's this picture of him laying down on his back with his arms spread out like he's on the cross. I think that's, that's not by mistake. They did that on purpose. They wanted Jim Carrey to look like he died and everybody's watching him witnessing almost like Jesus on the cross. And there are so many witnesses watching him kind of go from the character Truman to like his own person Truman and I think that was a really big scene there so he crashes into the wall and he starts he gets out of the boat he starts knocking on it realizing that the life he has lived was fake because he's in this bubble so I think that was a big thing of him kind of like crashing on you know like knocking on heaven's gates or something knowing that there is a reality outside of what he's lived, kind of like there's like a heaven or an afterlife after what we live. And it even has stairs, stairs going up into the clouds that he's supposed to walk up if he wants to leave. And I think that's the biggest sign because it's like, it's almost like he's ascending into his afterlife right there, like his ascension into heaven. And he was trying to be persuaded by God to stay down. But I don't think that was God. I think that Kristoff was in fact the devil because he didn't give birth to him. He just laid out this fake life around him, you know, tantal you know, making him feel like he's wanted with like a pretty blonde girl and making him feel like all these people were his best friend and everybody likes him. It's all just a trick. It's all fake. It's a facade. And I don't think Kristoff was God, which a lot of people think that's the symbol. No, I think Kristoff was actually the devil trying to keep him down too, telling him there's no better world out there than the one that I created for you. You should live in this fake world. And instead Truman says, in case I don't see you, Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And he leaves. And Kristoff is pissed and he like starts like doesn't cry, but he starts looking into his lap and it's like it's perfect. He then enters that and he's gone and never seen from again. And it's like he finally gets to live his perfect life. 
I don't know. Just a little bit of nerding out. I thought it was really cool and uh, worth checking into. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll do this. Uh, maybe I'll do this a couple times. An episode, you know, maybe every other episode I want to deep dive into symbolic ones. I re- I, I watched this movie when I was in college. And it, it, it was for a film and religion class. So I think I'm going to do this, go. But now that's over, got a very special guest. Our next guest on the Jake podcast this week is my cousin and champion of the Brainy Damn Kids Fantasy Football League, none other than Adele Corey. Adele, welcome to the podcast. Congratulations. Well, thanks. It's great to be here. This is literally one of the best days of my life. Uh, I'm so happy because you more than anyone else, wanted to win this year. Like, a lot of people wanted to win because they play and you play to win the game. But no one wanted the prize as much as you did. And you've mentioned to me a couple times, you win, you get a spot on the Jake, first stop on the media tour, and you're finally here. Like, congratulations, you earned it. Thank you so much. It's really good to be here. I um, Once I knew that getting a spot on the Jake was in the cards, that kind of upped my competitiveness to really win this season. I only talk to champions. You know that. I don't bring on, <laughs> I don't bring on the sad sack losers. I bring on the winners. And Earlier this podcast, I actually had on Tom Scotto, who won my fantasy football league with my friends. And he was very excited because he had been a you know, competitor and a playoff team every year, but I'd never won. Similar to kind of like where you are, where you're always in there, but this was your year to break through. And it didn't look like that for a little bit because none other than your fiance was in the way all year. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your battle with Nick? Sure. So um, it didn't look like I would be winning for a while just because I kind of got cocky a little bit earlier and was talking some smack to both Nick to you to other cousins and mm-hmm. I, for that I do apologize but I also don't apologize because that's, uh, that's it's the, the heat the it's the heat of the moment it's <laughs> like the you're on the battlefield I get it yeah you of all people understand I know your competitive spirit <laughs> yes. it definitely runs through the family a little bit yep uh, but yeah so living in the same house as my uh, direct competitor has been great but uh I will say it did up the stakes a little bit. Winning the championship, I do have to give Nick credit because he, I had, I was lucky enough to pick up Todd Gurley um, during the draft, and Nick kind of tipped off to me that he would be out for the championship game. And at first, I didn't believe him. I thought it was pure sabotage. But luckily, you yourself, the Jake, uh, you were able to. Uh, confirmed that Todd Gurley was out, so I was able to get him replaced in time, and on the beautiful evening on Christmas Eve, I pulled ahead by about six points and ended up winning. It's unbelievable. Um, It's crazy (laughs) to think that even in the fiercest of battles, Nick going for an undefeated, perfect season, the first in the damn kids era, that he decided to put those down and said, nope, it's more important to win the right way. Yes. So... You know, that, that kind of just solidifies the whole bond for our marriage. <laughs> yeah. that, that, was, that was my next question was, is this dividing you or is it bringing you guys together? <laughs> he seems to think that it's dividing us. I think it's bringing us together. Um, <laughs> because his, uh, 
my only requirement for this wedding, um, especially for like the best man speeches, is that they bring up the fact that I did beat Nick in the final. Ooh, year. wow. <laughs> Yikes, that is that is some only requirement. Usually it's like, you know, oh, I want a band or a DJ, or like, oh, I, we need to spend this much on flowers. But no, it's like best man needs to speak about Nick's failure in the fantasy football championship. But, you know, to speak on his perfect record, I also only consider winners for a perfect marriage. So. Oh, that's good. That's yeah, good. I like so, that. Yeah, that yeah. perfect season really solidifies that. When I said yes. So. Yeah, that's very nice. You know, And we almost didn't get this matchup because had I made a right start at quarterback, I beat Nick in the semifinals. But I had to start Jared Goff instead of Deshaun Watson. So we almost missed out on this amazing fantasy football championship. And you beat Pat in a very close game. It was yes. a very fun race all the way down to the finish. Yes, it was. And I... Uh... Pat beat me during regular season, and that that started where I lost about three games there. And after I talked some trash to our cousin, sorry to Brian and Pat again, <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> then I came back and crushed them in the finals. And spoken like a true loser. <laughs> you know what? He's he he sounds a little bitter right now. But the one thing I'll say about. Nick's team that he was missing. You know, he had he had a great quarterback, he had great running backs, great wide receivers. He had everything you could possibly have except a team name. And I tried to warn him about this. I tried to warn him a month before the championship. I said, you know, everybody that is competing right now has a team name that's on theme this year. And the theme was 90s music references. And how does that and, and Pat was letters to Cleo Lemon, right? He made he took a football player and he took a band in the nineties and combined them. Mine was Mr. Aaron Jones and Me, a famous song from the nineties, combined with a player on my team. Yours was Bone Chubs and Harmony. Easy peasy. Nick refused to stay on theme, and I think that's what was his undoing this year. I agree. I agree. Hopefully next year he'll actually pay attention. We did have, in our group text, we threw out a lot of great suggestions for everybody to use, and it actually got really fun for a while trying to think of names. It was very fun, yeah. And I think we're going to have even more fun. And announcing right now that you, Adele Corey, champion of the Fantasy Football League, get to pick next year's theme. So you have months to decide. There have been a couple suggestions thrown out there already, but... I wanted to surprise you and let you know on air that this would be your choice. So for next year's theme, you get to choose team name theme. So what do you think about that? This is an honor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have fun with this one. I already have a couple of good ideas that I was going to throw out to the group. But if I get to pick, then I don't know. Just everybody gets your thinking hats on. Thought it only <laughs> thought it only made sense and now you get to rub that in Nick's face a little bit too. So so going into next season, you know, we got a we got a pretty busy fall coming up too. So you might be a little distracted early season, you know, considering that you're getting married in the first week of October and you've got all the, you know, I'm sure getting married has its busy things going on ahead of that. Um, but any strategies you're taking into next year? You know, any players that you like from this year, or is it just like, hey, you know what? What do you What are you doing? What is Adele gonna do to follow this up? So uh, I really did like Todd Gurley this year. He, um, as a suggestion from my future brother-in-law Johnny Gabrielli, um, 
I had second in the draft and was able to get him early on. Um, but I know looking out ahead, um, Saquon Barkley is definitely mm. going to be wanted by most. Sure. Uh, yeah. Also, I had, uh, and I, I, I hate to say this, but I had Juju Smith-Schuster on my team this year, and he really performed well. And I, I normally wouldn't support the Steelers in any other capacity, but he was really a big winner for me, and it, it feels even dirty to say that. But It it. it sounds dirty so I, I hope I hope you take that into account I know I, I was gonna point out that Nick employed Steelers and that's why he lost but then I noticed that you did too so yes I guess I guess this was a muddy championship and uh, a battle. yeah hard fought battle but I think the Browns are gonna have more drafted players next year and uh, I I'm excited for the Cleveland Browns I'm excited for you both Nick was a great competitor this year Adele you are a better champion this year. <laughs> And uh, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really love having you on. And we'll have to get you on maybe sometime this summer as we're approaching more wedding stuff and what we can expect October 5th. Yeah, absolutely. I am so down. Plus, we'll have to announce the next year's theme for our team names. Um, that's going to be. I would like that. If we could announce that on air, that would do really well for my listeners. Yeah. Again, that would be the second best day of my life. That. That. <laughs> That is this being the year that you get married and Jake being involved with the two best days of the year. I, I'm 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 very I'm very gracious. Thank you so much, Adele. Thanks for coming on. Say hello to Nick and uh, you guys. Be good. All right. All right. Thanks, Jake. All right. Have a good one. You too. All right. That was Adele Corey, soon to be Gabrielli. It sounds like the wedding plans are still on and. Uh, what a championship that was. You know, Nick had an undefeated season, was coasting through the playoff by round. Then he faced me and got a little lucky, a little lucky that he held on to beat me. It took Monday Night Football to beat me. And then uh, lost to his future wife because he couldn't keep his mouth shut and had to say that Todd Gurley wasn't playing. Kudos to him. Kudos, kudos Nick. That's not bad. But uh, enough fantasy football. We are in January. Fantasy football is over. We look forward to talking fantasy football with all my guests next year come August time. All right, that'll be a lot of fun. But before I let you guys go today, because we're approaching the end of the podcast, uh, I've got a couple one-minute movie reviews, and then I got an email that I want to get to, okay? So going to jump right into the one-minute movie reviews that I didn't get to last week. Saw a lot of movies this holiday season, right? A lot of movies, okay? Didn't get to review them all. A couple of them, Netflix originals, all right? Bird Box, starring Sandra Bullock and uh, uh, John Malkovich. Really kind of liked Bird Box. Uh, I was expecting it to be a little more simple, a little more transparent, uh, with that being said, I did predict a couple things that were going to happen in the movie. Uh, I predicted the final scene basically verbatim. You can ask my girlfriend. I said it like halfway through the movie. I was like, by the way, it's going to end with this, this, and this with these type of people. And, uh, she's going to name the two kids this and this. So I don't know. I, I'm like half spoiling right now. And all right, full spoilers, full spoilers. I knew she was going to name the kid Thomas and Olivia. Okay, I knew that, and I said it, and I said it's going to come into play. Blind people, they're the only people that they don't see, so are they affected fully? And it turns out they're the ones that led the community and saved all these people. Okay, Bird Box, thought it was decent, 
on the Jake scale. Uh, it surprised me a little bit. I'm giving it a B minus. B minus on the Jake scale for Bird Box. All right. Next up, all right, this is actually a combo of Netflix. We're going with The Bodyguard, six episode show on Netflix. Very British. It was very hard to understand uh, Richard Madden, formerly of Game of Thrones, Rob Stark who was the main character on the show, but in a very thick accent. It was sometimes hard to really understand what he was saying, but very intense show. Very cool. I love a good spy thriller or anti or counterterrorism type shows. This We just watched it right after Jack Ryan, and I thought it was very good, and I'm very excited for another season. I hope they do more of this because I thought the show was excellent. And even if they follow different people around, I would love more bodyguard-type shows. Uh... It was only six episodes. It was very quick to watch, just like Jack Ryan was eight episodes. This was this was fast. I want more of it. I want a different storyline. I want different characters, and I just want – I think it's a very cool concept. It was it was really cool. You know, war veteran trying to protect his family because he is now like the one that's getting in the way of these – terrorism plots and the terrorists kind of seek him out i put it slightly behind jack ryan i thought jack ryan was a better show and that's not an american versus british bias it's just that i thought jack ryan was slightly better but this was a very good show and i hope netflix continues with it i give it an a minus i thought the bodyguard was great where it could have improved uh it was very hard to understand richard madden and and that's basically about it i thought it could have used more episodes uh, a lot of people were in danger. I never felt that Richard Madden was safe, which I think is a great aspect of a show. You never want to think, oh, this guy can't die. I thought it was really cool that way. So anyway, thought that was great. My final one-minute movie review of the day, that was like a two-minute one, is The Mule. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I did The Mule last week. Is Vice, all right? Vice was great. Okay, I went in to see Vice with very high expectations, and it met nearly every one of them uh slightly boring at times but i was prepared for that uh it was very interesting it was very informational a lot of things i didn't know about george bush a lot of things i didn't know about halliburton donald rumsfeld and of course dick cheney uh christian bale deserves an academy award for this he i never felt like i was watching christian bale i always felt like i was watching dick cheney and I think that when you're doing a movie about a certain person, whether you're Brad Pitt playing uh, in Moneyball when he played Billy Bean, or you're Meryl Streep playing the Iron Lady, or you're any of these people, when you're impersonating someone, the better job you're doing, the less I think you're an actor, and I, the more I think I'm watching the like this characterization, or this character, I should say. I was very impressed with uh with all of that and and i think not just his body transformation that he did but i just never felt like i was watching christian bale i just felt like it was a really good dick cheney impersonation and not to mention i i just like adam mckay movies the way that he uses like a narrator through the film to break the fourth wall to kind of talk to you and to relate things uh, a little bit like The Big Short, not very much like The Big Short, so a lot of people were getting carried away with that comparison. It was a little bit like The Big Short, but they were missing a little bit of a familiar face. Uh, I couldn't, you know, Jesse Plemons was the one guy that was doing it, but uh, I mean, he, he was good where th they could have used a little bit more star power there. You know, they had Ryan Gosling doing it, and 
in uh, the big short. So they could have used someone like that. But I thought it was very good. I thought Steve Carell was really funny. I didn't think... Uh, I felt like he kind of just did his own thing doing Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, I felt like he was... you know, uh, The guys from Lights Camera said uh, he was impersonating Steve Carell doing Donald Rumsfeld. So, you know, which is fine. It's cool. And I thought, you know, the George Bush Im impression was was pretty good. But then again, it was just like every other George Bush impression. It was kind of like a joke. But I think it was supposed to be like that. Um, I loved I loved Vice. I'm going to watch it again. Uh, it's a rewatchable movie for me. It's very informational. It's a little long. It, it drags at scenes. But Amy Adams was great. Christian Bale was great. Uh, and of course, just I love Adam McKay movies. So I gave Vice a solid 90. I thought it was just a very good movie. And uh, when it comes to political movies, it's hard to make them very interesting. And they made this one very interesting. You know, polit po the political movies that are great are war driven films. And while this one, you know, they have the big, you know, 9 11 scene, very much not war driven. This was very much about a guy getting into politics and how he basically didn't belong yet became one of the most powerful men in the world when he was vice president. And I think that was the redeeming story here was that, you know, he became literally the guy in control of all the power. And, you know, he could override and do a lot of things without President Bush's permission. And he always had his lawyer around and he was doing a little, you know, fishy, you know, kind of like snarky things and it's like what is this guy up to and i thought that was just very I'm, i came away very impressed with what dick cheney was all about so anyway that one minute movie review was i being i believe like three minutes uh i got very excited to talk about that but uh before i let you go i got one thing i'm answering an email this week on the podcast this email and i thank you for anyone that wants to email in Jake, J-A-K-E, dot brainy, B-R-A-H-N-E-Y, at gmail.com. I will read whatever you want. Just send it on in. I'll answer any question on any topic, as long as we keep it, you know, PG-13 and not offend anybody. We're all good. So I'll read the email. Hey, Jake. I've been listening to the podcast for about nine months now. Huge fan. Recently, I asked listeners to email in with questions for you, so I have two I'd like to hear your responses on. Okay, number one, who are your top five favorite comedic actresses? And we'll do that in a minute. I want to answer number two first, and we'll end the episode with my top five. And number two, how to get your boyfriend to stop snoring. My boyfriend is a snorer, and it causes me to lose sleep. I've tried sleeping with earbuds in, noise machine app, and even politely pushing him to roll over. Sometimes these things work, and sometimes not so much. I really like him, but I also really like my sleep. Do you have any recommendations? Looking forward to your responses. With appreciation, Sleepless and Howl. Alright, well first of all, thank you Sleepless and Howl. Uh, I do appreciate uh, anyone's sleep. Uh, I myself... Uh, have snored in the past. I'm not like a consistent snore. I don't snore a whole lot. It's just from time to time. But I do, I do understand where you're coming from with this. Uh, pushing them over is is big. I think the number one thing is you have to make them aware of it. And uh, I think earbuds ought to work. But you saying that's not good enough. 
the noise app, that's another thing I would suggest. I use that to just rock myself to sleep sometime. But if that's also not working, I think you need to try one of those like mouth things. I think there's a, a almost like a retainer that you can put in and you bite down on that and you, it helps you breathe through your nose and not through your mouth at night. And I think that's what essentially helps you not snore. Uh, there are other things that are like nostril passages whether you like it, it like opens up your breathing you know through your nostrils and again if he's still snoring I, I think it's fully okay if he's keeping you awake through his snoring you can wake him up push him nudge him a little bit say hey you're snoring you're keeping me up and it's okay for him to say hey I'm sorry and roll over and not sleep and not snore uh, I don't know if it works like that, but I think it's fully fair for you to wake him up if he's snoring. And if he keeps snoring, tell him, go sleep on the couch. You know, you're keeping me up all night. And it should not be on you to go sleep on the couch. It should be him that sleeps on the couch. So tell that to your boyfriend. Let him know snoring is unacceptable in today's day and age. Or at least work on it. You know, find ways to work on it and go from there. But your second point. Top five favorite comedic actresses. I'm very glad you asked this one. This is a fun one. I have a lot of appreciation for some funny actresses. And my top five, I don't think are on TV enough or in the media enough. So I'm going to run through my top five with you right now. Uh, had a lot of thought into this one. And there are a couple that are going to be, you know, questionable. But here we go. Number five in my top five comedic actresses. I've got Wendy McClendon Covey. Think this place smells funny? Try coming to my house, okay? I live with four men. It smells like ass, balls, and armpits. It smells like someone pissed into an open bottle of vitamins and then put their socks in there and stuck their finger in their belly button. It smells like someone lit a booger on fire and then smoked a cigarette. It smells like someone farted pizza into a litter box. It smells like someone jizzed into a bag of Fritos and then threw it at the Christmas tree. It smells like someone threw up into a sweat sock and then cooked some bacon. It smells like someone... <laughs> so, that goes on for a while. Uh, what you'll notice Wendy from uh, Bridesmaids and before that, Reno 911. I didn't watch Reno 911. I think Bridesmaids is a great comedy. One of the best comedies, period. And it's, you know, it, it's considered like the best female comedy, but I think it's just one of the best up there. It's right up there with The Hangover for me. It came out that same summer and just blew everyone away. I think Wendy's hilarious. I think she doesn't get enough credit and she's not on the big screen enough. I think she needs more roles where she could be a supporting actress. I think she kills it. Okay. Uh, my number four in terms of funniest or favorite comedic actresses is Katherine Hahn. Back to school time. Think you can't compete with those perfect Pinterest moms? Sink again! Boom! Pre-signed permission slips for the whole year. Who's missing the trip to the zoo this year? Not my kid. What? Just found out about the bake sale on the way to school? Not a problem! Alright, so there are a lot of things that Katherine Hahn is funny for. Unfortunately, not a lot of them appear on YouTube, so I couldn't really find some great clips of her. This is just a Chrysler ad, but she's very funny. She's loud. Uh, she kind of is in your face. You'll know her as Jen Barkley from Parks and Recreation. She was one of the moms in Bad Moms. She uh, had smaller parts on Anchorman, where she played one of the women that worked in the office where Ron Burgundy worked. And also, uh, The Goods or The Deeds or 
some the, the somethings with uh, Jeremy Piven. Uh, I I don't know. I never saw that movie. I think it's called The Goods, and I think she plays a salesman. Regardless, she's very funny, and again, she isn't on TV enough. She's not like given enough big roles. I think she could easily be a co-star on a comedy series because she's very funny, and women love her. Like my mom loves how unapologetic Katherine Hahn is, and how she's constantly just like brash and very straightforward. Uh, Bad Moms showed that, but you know th- she's she's funny, and she doesn't get enough credit. All right. Number three, this is where it gets a little tricky. Uh, Mila Kunis is my number three. Totally didn't get anything that I was saying, did you? Oh, no, no, I think you're great. Yeah, you too. You know what, you might just stay friends. Really? No, go fuck yourself. One of the best go fuck yourselves I've ever heard, by the way. Uh, Mila Kunis, not usually considered a comedic actress, right? You know, she started with that 70s show, which was a really funny comedy for me growing up. And uh, she actually lied about her age to get on TV. She was 14 when she started that show. Pretty crazy. Uh, She was a Russian immigrant. And this isn't really important stuff. She's funny, though. She's a funny actress. She's just not given a whole lot of roles where she gets to be funny. In Friends with Benefits, that movie that I just took that clip from, she's a very funny actress. I don't think she gets enough credit for that. And that's why she's number three on my list. I don't think she's as funny as Catherine on. Or as funny as Wendy uh, McLovin Covey or McGlendon Covey. Shit, I always forget her name. Uh, I don't think she's as funny as those girls, but I think, you know, in terms of being one of my favorites, yeah, I love Mila Kunis. I think she's great. All right, my number two, this was really tough. I could have went, I, I actually switched this order many times, but, uh, you know, I, I just had to go with my heart. My number two favorite comedic actress is Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, it's Barb Keller. Oh, hello, yeah. Barb. Uh, I'm good, Miss Keller, please. Yeah, have a seat. How can I help you today? Well, uh, it's Barb Keller to start out, and uh, I'm pretty interested in getting my hands on one of your small business loans uh-huh. from my piece of business so I can take a check or like a little stack of cash. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. Now, first things first, we're going we're gonna to have to fill out an application, all right? Okay, good. Then I get my piece of loan. Is that what happens? Uh, no, no. Then, then we'll, uh, we'll we'll review your business plan. Actually. Oh, okay, yeah. good. Cause yeah. I got a good pizza place. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I hope so because there's a lot of pizza places already in town, so it better oh, be no, good. No, no. I, I don't want to have a pizza place. I want to own and operate my own pizza eating business. Because you can sign that check to Barb Kellner. <laughs> well, I'm. I'm sorry, uh, you, you expect us to give you money so that you can eat pizza? Yeah, man, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I figure everybody's got leftover pizza, uh-huh. right? You got leftover pizza. Sure. I got leftover pizza until I gobble it up. And my friends, my friends call me all the time. They say, oh, no, on the phone. Sure, they yeah, call it's me. Place to call, yeah. And they say, oh, no, boy, yeah. we got leftover pizza. And I say, oh, yeah. come on. Uh, no, I've got a pen in my hand. Uh, okay, so Miss Kellner. Uh, yeah, Barb Kellner. Barb, 
right, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, so that skit goes on for a long time. I know that was a, a little bit longer than I usually play for you, but that's one of the funnier skits on SNL is the Barb Kellner pizza eater skit. Uh, Melissa McCarthy is, is probably the funniest actress in Hollywood. Uh, she is the one they always go to with these big roles. You know, More recently, it's been like Amy Schumer gets these roles. I don't think Amy Schumer is that funny. Uh, I think Melissa McCarthy is that funny. I think it's it just comes naturally for her. She doesn't need to like force vagina jokes or anything like that. She can just be a character and and make it her own. And it's and it's great every time. The Barb Kellner on SNL thing is perfect. She's done similar skits like that, but uh, the Barb Kellner one is is one of my favorites. And I think she's the funniest actress in Hollywood. I, and you see her on TV a lot uh, less recently, but. You know, she's still she's still right up there. It was really close. I had her at number one going into today, but I made a quick switch because my number one, and then after I, I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, this is definitely it. There's you know, there were a lot of honorable mentions. I really like Maya Rudolph, Amy Poehler, and Tina Fey, some all stars from Saturday Night Live. Uh, big fan of Kristen Bell, who has surprised me of relate with being on um on the Good Place. I think she's very funny on that. And also, you know, you know, Mindy Kaling from The Office and, and from her own, you know, lore. Anna Ferris, I think, is very funny too, but I just, you know, it was only like one or two roles where I really liked Anna Ferris. Kristen Schaal, she can be a little uh, much sometimes. And then, of course, Gilda Radner is one of the greatest of all time. But again, before my time and, you know, God rest. But my number one, also Saturday Night Live lore. You know, this should come as no surprise because Kristen Wiig is one of the best. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. I feel I'm so much more relaxed. Thank you, Helen. I just feel like I'm excited and I feel relaxed and I'm ready to party with the best of them. And I'm gonna go down to the river! <laughs> wow, it looks like somebody's really relaxing now. Yeah, wow. What are you guys talking about up here? We are, um... We're going to a restaurant tonight. I know the owner of this. just you coming. Do? Oh, Helen is the Oh man, and that scene, the airplane scene from Bridesmaids goes on for a long time, so uh, yeah, I I just realized I picked three actresses from Bridesmaids in my top five, so this goes to show how much I really like that movie, but Kristen Wiig, she's on number one for a lot of people's lists, and uh, I try to be different from everybody, but I mean, she's that funny, I think she's so relatable and, and her... Her run on SNL was probably the best of any female that's been on that show. And now, anytime she does a movie, I make it a must-see. Even if it doesn't look that good, I'm like, I just want to see Kristen Wiig in movies. Like, I, I want to support her movies because ever since she left SNL, it's it's been tough. And, uh, you know, they were part of such a good era of SNL. Um, you know, before they came on, Jimmy Fallon was leaving and Tina Fey was leaving. And uh, this was already a couple years after Will Ferrell and Molly Shannon and Anna Gasteyer and David Spade and all those guys left. And everyone's like, what are you going to do? And then Jimmy Fallon comes up and does a pretty good job. And Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Seth Meyers, all these people do a really good job on the show. And then when all of them started leaving, they were like, oh, who are you going to have? Who's going to be your number one? 
And they pointed to a part of the cast. And I'm like, I'm really excited to see these younger people that I've never seen before. And I didn't know their names at the time. It turned out to be Bill Hader, Jason Sudeikis, Andy Samberg, and Kristen Wiig. All debuted within a year of each other. And that turned out to be one of the best core four in SNL history. I mean, Andy Samberg did so much with, you know, he's a very straightforward, funny guy. There's not a lot of depth there. I think uh, he kind of does the same thing over and over again, but they've done so many skits of the digital shorts that became the best part of Saturday Night Live. You know, Jason Sudeikis and Bill Hader, those guys are amazing. They're some of the funniest guys in Hollywood now, and they don't get enough work. Uh, Jason Sudeikis should have his own show. You know, Bill Hader has Barry. Jason Sudeikis deserves his own. And then, of course, Kristen Wiig. I mean, she's great. She's probably one of the funniest people in SNL history, male or female. Um, I put her above Bill Murray. Put her right there with Chris Farley for, like, you know, top three. And with Eddie Murphy and Will Ferrell. Like, like th those would be my top four period yeah i think those would be my top four and then bill murray as the fifth even though bill murray's best stuff came in movies and not exactly silent live you know what maybe we'll revisit that maybe we'll do a top five silent live characters coming up maybe sometime this summer or somewhere towards the end of silent live uh this season but anyway this was a super long episode i'm sorry to keep you guys so long thank you for waiting thank you for listening uh really appreciate you all listening to my podcast got a big weekend beautiful the musical tomorrow night and gonna have some pizza in the city with my beautiful girlfriend uh come back saturday doing the see the yearly awards with my friend group gonna see who the entertainer of the year is sadly first time i'm not nominated uh for entertainer of the year got super boring in 2018 uh those fuckers didn't vote for me don't worry they're not listening to this anyway uh and then of course football on sunday and a little additional Martin Luther King Day action. Maybe make some chili, make something nice. Cook it up a little bit. Throw it on Instagram for you all to see. Thank you all for listening. Come on back next week. I'll promise to be shorter. Bye-bye.